Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discussed replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Today we're going to talk about a very important topic of advanced directives and why it's important not just for someone to do this for themselves, but to really help for the entire family and what this gift is that we can all share with our loved ones and why it's so important for people to think about these types of issues before it becomes an emergency. So I am joined by Hope Young. She is the Advanced Care Coordinator at Mau, which is a wonderful organization that has tried to bring together resources for everyone to take sort of the worry of these somewhat difficult conversations away, make it easy and make it something that we can discuss openly with our loved ones and with our physicians and help facilitate what's best for our care. So thank you, Hope, for joining me this evening. Well, thank you for the invitation and the, the opportunity to talk with you and your audience. Well, you know, we were just talking briefly before the show, and the way that I often tell people about advanced directives leads to a a fairly individualistic idea about this. And you shared some wonderful experiences that you've just had dealing with discussing this topic for people from the Native Hawaiian community. And I'm curious... When you talk about advanced directives, there's different forms of directives, and people hear about it pulsed, and they hear about living will, and they hear about other documents they need to fill out. What sort of, how how would you explain that to someone who doesn't necessarily know the lingo? What are the documents someone needs? And then we'll talk about how it's unique in certain populations and communities on how they approach it in such a wonderful way. Well, yeah, sure. So the advanced directive is a document that we encourage individuals over the, all competent individuals over the age of 18 to complete. And the advanced directive is a two-part document. So the first part means a person that you trust. We call that your healthcare power of attorney, also known as your healthcare agent. I like to think of that as your champion, as your advocate, but it names that person who you trust to make healthcare decisions on your behalf should you be unable to speak for yourself. So that's the first part of the document is naming that person you trust. And then the second part of that document is giving instructions, kind of giving the directions, what matters to you, what's important to you. You know, how do you, how do you want to navigate the health system so that you're getting the type of care that you want um, by knowing what matters to you? And, and so these two parts of this one document um, it's referred to as the Advanced Healthcare Directive. Now, this is an important document you said for anyone over 18 because they may have differences in what they feel is most important to them. But this is a big, broad overview of having someone in your in your circle of friends or family or loved ones that's going to be making decisions if you can't make them for yourself, whether it be because you are unconscious or incapacitated in some fashion. And then what what is important to you. Now, how is this different or does this also incorporate some of the questions that we see on some of these documents about wanting to treat pain, wanting to have nutrition, wanting to have uh, life-prolonging types of uh, treatments provided? Where does that come into play? So on the advanced directive, it does ask those questions. So it does ask about artificial nutrition and hydration. Um, this is something that culturally here in Hawaii, 
we are, you know, food is love. Food is the way that we show our aloha for each other. Um, it's often the way that we, you know, interact with each other. Um, so we have that in the advanced directive. Would you want an artificial nutrition and hydration? And if so, you know, would you want it for a trial period? Um, would you want pain medication? Are they, are these things important to you? Also, what how how involved would you want medical intervention to be? So would you want them to try and do everything, which could include a setting such as an intensive care unit? Or would you prefer to be at a home setting and just withhold all the extra medical interventions that are possible because you're prepared to have an, to allow for a natural death? So all of these, these little nuances are all included in it. And they're so important in and of themselves. But what we really encourage is good conversations so that whomever is reading the document really understands what's important. Um, it also gives that opportunity to say, in your own words, what's important to you. So my example is, hey, you know what? If I can eat chocolate and watch my Korean soap, then I, I call that a good quality of life. Or, hey, you know, if I've, I've got dementia, don't chase me around trying to give me a cholesterol pill. Give me the ice cream and let me be happy. These little things that, you know, we don't necessarily have these conversations on a regular basis. It, in often cases, it's kind of, mm, bachi. we don't want to talk about these things. But it really is an opportunity to really give some insight to that person who is going to be decision-making on that individual's behalf, should they be unable to do it for themselves. Who do people most often choose as their healthcare power of attorney or agent? Does it automatically happen to be a spouse or could someone else be chosen like a child or another loved one or a best friend or who do people usually pick? You know, I think part of picking the right person is really having these conversations so that they understand and so that they are on board with the, the, the choices that you're making. You really want to pick somebody who's going to be that advocate and who's not going to put their own wishes ahead of yours. So it really takes having these conversations with loved ones, and from those conversations you get a better understanding of who to ask. In the state of Hawaii, it's not a next of kin state. So just because you're married to someone, it doesn't necessarily mean that that person automatically has the authority to make decisions on your behalf. So we really encourage folks to take the time and have the conversations so that they can choose the person that would best advocate on their behalf. So it's really not just, you know, most people pick their spouse or most people. It's, there's no kind of regular thing, and we really encourage folks to have these conversations so that they know that the person they're picking is comfortable with making, making decisions on their behalf. So you mentioned we're not a next-of-kin state. So in other states, it might automatically just default to the next-of-kin. But in Hawaii, it doesn't automatically. Exactly. So here in Hawaii, if, if an individual has not designated their health care agent on an advanced directive and they're in the midst of a health crisis, what the doctors will do is they'll call a meeting of interested parties. And that means they'll call all the loved ones together They'll put you all together in a room and they'll say, loved ones, decide who's in charge. And I, I, I joke about it, but it's true. Oftentimes, it's the loudest person in the room that kind of wants to be in charge. 
But that doesn't necessarily mean that that person knows how to advocate with regards to the healthcare wishes. So this is an opportunity to really choose that person before any crisis so that that person knows your wishes and that person knows how to support you. And that when there's a health crisis, the people who show up don't have to fight to see who's in charge. They don't have to try and uh, profess that they're, they've been there the longest or they, I, I know what mom wants. I, there's none of that hoo-hoo. There's none of that infighting amongst the family to try and figure out who's in charge. Yeah, because I, I can envision how that, how that could be, and I've witnessed it and seen it. All right, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with Hope Young about some of her experience in talking about this particular concept to some of our communities right here in the islands. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and today we are talking about advanced directives. What do they mean? Who needs them? And why doing it in advance may be the best thing and gift you could give your loved ones. Hope Young from Kakua Mao is on the line. She's an advanced care coordinator. And we were just talking before the break about the step, the two-part process. Number one is picking an agent, and number two is picking what's important to you. And you mentioned that, you know, if this isn't done, sometimes there can be a situation where, you know, family members might all get together and they may not always agree on what they think is best for their loved one. And that can lead to some difficulties in a healthcare setting, certainly that I've seen. But you have a unique way to explain it to some of our local communities. And, you know, as opposed to being an individual discussion or decision that someone has that just is about them, this often can be done in such a way that it's a gift to family. How, how would you word that? Absolutely. So, you know, as you mentioned, you've, you've seen it. Now, there could be fistfights out in the outside of the ER. And how do we avoid those? When there's a, a health crisis for Tutu and everybody wants to show up to support her and show their love, how do they do this so that Tutu is supported without everyone fighting? So when we say advanced care planning is really a gift for your loved ones, it really is because if Tutu's done her homework and she's named somebody as on her advanced directive as her health care agent, her health care power of attorney, She's already taken that guesswork out of the people who show up. They no longer have to fight to try and be in charge. Tutu's already given that authority to maybe it's the second daughter, maybe it's the oldest granddaughter, whomever it is. And if you think of some of our families here, we have some really big families. So, for example, a family of eight, and the oldest son thinks that he's supposed to be in charge because he's the oldest. However... The granddaughter, the oldest granddaughter, has been living with Tutu for the last 10 years and has been her live-in caregiver for her and has had these conversations, is much more well-versed on what Tutu wants and what she doesn't want. But if Tutu doesn't designate that her granddaughter is the person that's in charge, 
can you imagine the infighting between the siblings, but also the, the granddaughter who may not feel she has the authority to speak because she wasn't named that and because she's the next generation down. So when we talk about this and why it's so important, it's a gift to your loved ones so that when there's a crisis, they can show up, support each other, and not fight amongst each other. And really, they can support the individual that has been named as a healthcare agent. And that really can make this whole process in the midst of a crisis that much more bearable versus no planning whatsoever. And that's really what we try to make sure folks understand is that this is not to tell, you know, these are my thoughts, my economy. And that's great if you're at that point where you can do that. But at the very least, give your loved ones the opportunity to show up, be their supporter, and not fight with each other, especially if it's at the end of life. Yeah, the last thing you need if you're a sick person in the hospital is to hear that, you know, there's a crisis outside and more of your family right. are, are having injuries and, and whatnot. That's definitely not not what is going to be the most supportive and helpful for the individual who's dealing with that crisis. Now, I'm curious because I would think you mentioned you should have an advanced directive for anyone over the age of 18. And what somebody might think is important to them when they're in their teens or 20s might be entirely different than when they're in their 50s or 60s or even beyond in their 80s or 90s. So how do we make a document such that it it can help throughout all those stages of life? Or do you just change it and set up a new directive? Or, or how do you take into consideration that some people's wishes might change over time? Great question. Um, we encourage folks to review their documents as life changes around them. So, for example, maybe they just graduated from college. That's a nice time to review it. They just graduated from high school is a, a great time to do their initial one. Then we go to the next four years. Okay, they've graduated from college, moved on to somewhere else. Take a look at the people that they've named as their agent and if they're still feasible to be the agent. And, and review what the second part of it, the directions for the, the agent. And keep reviewing it throughout life. So whether you choose every five years we come back and look at this, or if we choose every main, you know, special event in life, whether it's marriage, kids, divorce, maybe a diagnosis, um, maybe just retiring, just taking the time to go back and review it. And if you need to change it, then you would need to make a new document and have it either witnessed by two individuals um, over the age of 18. One cannot have inheritance rights, um, and the person cannot be the person named as your healthcare agent for your witnessing or getting it notarized, whichever is easier. But coming back to it from time to time to just review and make sure that it's still up to date. We had a social worker who she thanked me, and she said, you know, thank you for making me go and look at my documents. I had my ex-husband listed as my healthcare agent. My new husband would not be happy with that. So she redid her document. But, you know, reviewing it from time to time throughout life to just ensure that it's still up to date and still represents what matters most to you. And the corollary to that might be if you have a directive that's 20 years old, but you're happy with it, then it's still active and enforced. Yes, it is. Absolutely. 
You don't have to revise it if everything on there is current. You may want to revise it if something has changed. The other thing that I often suggest to folks is, you know, you may choose one person who you want to be your agent or your healthcare power of attorney, but you may want to have some backup plans so that if that person unfortunately passes on or is unable to to do that service, that you have some other people listed just in case as secondaries. Is that something that you think people need to do or maybe is that just being too cautious? No, absolutely. Um, my example is, you know, what happens if you're in a car accident and the person that you've named is sitting next to you and both of you now need somebody to step in? You really want to make sure that you have that backup so that if something happens, you do have a second person that could step into that role. Now, these documents are often something that you might create, you might put somewhere safe, you know, maybe in, a, in your house. Uh, are there other people you should give a copy of this to so that they might be aware of what it says? Absolutely. So you want to make sure that once you've had your document notarized or witness, you make copies of it. And you give copies to the individuals who you've named as your healthcare agent, the two. So the first and the first one and the secondary, they should have copies of it. You also want to give it to your physician's office. Make sure they have a copy of it. If you prefer a certain health system, then you would want to make sure that they have a copy of it so they can put that into the, their um, electronic medical records on your behalf. And if you change or update it, you want to do the same process again. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to talk about some other types of advanced directives and what's the difference between having this down and having a pulse and who needs which one and when. It's a whole lot of stuff we need to do, but it's all to help ourselves and our family and loved ones. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I have Hope Young from Kakua Mao on the line. She's an advanced care coordinator, and she has given educational seminars across the state to people of all different backgrounds and ages to really help educate them about what the importance is of establishing advanced directives, what those are, and why we should revisit them often if we have major changes in our lives that might just indicate that we've changed our minds or we've changed who we want to be our health care person for us to answer in, in case we ever cannot for ourselves. Now, right before the break, Hope, we were talking about how no matter how old your document is, if it's accurate and it's what you want, it's still in, it's still in play. And if you have an old one, it might be time to revisit it, take a look at it, see if you want to make any revisions. We've talked a little bit about having a backup person just in case you happen to be in the car with the person you chose or you happen to be in an injury or an accident or they unfortunately pass away before you do and you need to have someone listed. 
Now, I'm curious because a lot of people say I have an advanced directive and then if they're entering a care home or if they are uh, going to a certain facility, they're asked to bring something else called a pulsed. And that's a different document, but they are related. What's the difference between those two and, and how are they almost the same? So the PULSE is a provider's orders for life-sustaining treatment, hence the the acronym PULSE. It is a standing medical order. It is a document that says, what are we doing right here, right now? And it's something that EMTs and first responders are able to honor. Now, your advanced directive gives great information for your healthcare power of attorney, and it gives great information for guidance on how to make healthcare decisions. But your pulse really looks at, as a first responder arrives, what what are we going to do with this person? What is the line of, what is the course of action that we're going to do? So there's just three questions on the pulse. One is if, if the individual would like CPR or would like to allow for a natural death. That's the first question on there. Second question is on what level of medical intervention would you want? Whether it would be comfort care limited interventions, or full code. Full code means do everything medically possible to help this individual. And then the third section is on nutrition and hydration, artificial nutrition and hydration. So those are the only three questions that they're looking at for clinicians, for the physicians to direct care. Again, it's a standing medical order. It needs to be signed off on by an APRN, an advanced practice RN, or a physician. They need to sign it with their license number on it in order for EMTs to honor this document. So it's a right here, right now, out of out of hospital medical order. What are we going to do when we find this individual in the midst of a health crisis? Now, it's also important to recognize that a pulse is not for everybody. Not ev- We don't want everybody going out and getting a pulse. It's intended for a very specific demographic, for folks with serious illness. They may be medically fragile. They may have a diagnosis. They may be adamant that they don't want to be in a hospital setting. The question that we often have uh, providers use is, would you be surprised if this person died within the next year or two? If the answer is no, I wouldn't. I really wouldn't be surprised. Then that probably is an appropriate candidate for a poll. So we want to ensure that everyone over the age, age of 18 does their advanced directive, and the poll is done specifically because of either a diagnosis, medically frail. You know, they fit into that certain demographic. But these two documents should really work together. So if there's a discrepancy, usually it's in the advanced directive needing to be updated to kind of match the pulse. So would a pulse be something that you mentioned EMTs and first responders follow, but not necessarily if you're in the hospital already? That might be an opportunity where the advanced directive would take I would think, would maybe take precedence in that setting. Correct. Because the, the pulse is for an out-of-hospital setting. So if they're in the hospital, they have their different orders and their way of ensuring that your wishes are honored in setting. So when you're getting discharged, they would probably send the individual home with a pulse if it were appropriate for them to do so. 
Right. If they have a major medical condition or something for which I think I often will explain to to patients that, you know, a pulse is something that will if you don't want to be resuscitated or or your loved one doesn't want to be, then, you know, an ambulance is going to bring someone to the hospital and do everything they can unless there's a document that says that's not necessarily what I want. So if you were if you had an advanced stage of cancer and you were at any age, but you would not want to have certain interventions done because of your other medical condition, that's when you would want to have a pulse because you are specifically saying, don't do certain things because I have some underlying illness that might make it less likely for me to recover in any meaningful way that I would want to. So, so that's age independent when we would want someone to consider having a pulse. But there are some locations where they're required. And I know some of the local care homes will say, we want to have your wishes known so that, you know, you're of a certain age and we want to make sure that as healthy as you are, if something happens, we've got directions right there available for us to know what to do. So in those situations, we might see somebody for whom we wouldn't expect a year, six months or a year or so for something to happen. They may also have a pulse if it's required for their living arrangements or some other type of care facility. Is that right? So great that you brought it up because actually the pulse is not something that can be mandated. Um, it is not something that care homes or facilities require. But oftentimes they, they want that information. So that's part of their intake process. But it is not a requirement. Um, so if a, a person is not in the position to need a pulse, they're not ready for that, they don't have any conditions that would qualify, qualify them for the pulse, we really encourage a conversation about advanced directives, about issues for care. Um, oftentimes it's the care homes, the smaller care homes that are saying, you know, we just, we want to make sure that we're doing the right things. Right. Well, There's a good you know, intent. It also goes to say that, you know, if, if someone is, they're okay with CPR, they're going to get full full treatment, that is the regular protocol for EMT. So that, if that's the, what's being documented on the pulse, um, it, it's really unnecessary because that's going to be the protocol that EMTs follow anyway. Well, and I think even when, you know, when people may be under the impression that it's required, it's for your best interest. You know, it's certainly not because we're trying to create some sort of a barrier, but rather we just want to respectfully follow what your wishes are so that we can make sure, like you said, we're we're doing the right thing. You know, there's full intent right. to try and respect what someone wants to be able to decide for themselves and give them an opportunity to do so. Now, sure. folks may have a lot of questions about advanced directives and some of the discussions that we've had this evening. Where can they get more information? Well, Kokua Mao, we have a great website. It's www.kokuamao.org. We have translations. We have 10 different languages of translated documents that folks can use. Um, we have the advanced directive that's free to download. We have more information on Pulse and what it is and who could benefit from that. We have um, updates on all different types of resources in this space that people are navigating towards end of life, um, towards ensuring that their wishes are honored. Um, and we invite you to come and take a look at our website. If you have questions, there's always contact information on how to reach us as well. So there's a lot of resources out there and available. And also, if somebody wanted to have 
a group or have someone educate an entire community, whether it be at a community center or at another location? Are there opportunities to have someone come in and talk to a, a community about it? Absolutely. We have a program that's called Let's Talk Story. It's where we come out either in person or via Zoom. I mean, in the last two years, pretty much everything's been via Zoom. Um, but we will do these presentations on the documents, on the conversations. We also will um, do education on what is hospice and what is palliative care. We want to give as much information as possible so that folks are aware of the questions that they could ask when faced with a serious crisis. All right. Well, I definitely know that lots of folks will take advantage of those resources because we all need to educate ourselves and prepare our families and ourselves for what may happen if we have a health crisis and emergency. I want to thank Hope Young for joining us today with your expertise on The Body Show. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week right here on The Body Show. We'll see you then.